Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area, and with me today are... I'm Hai Chen Bui, a pop culture journalist in D.C. and a contributor to USA Today. And I'm Anya Crittenden, an editor and writer for Entertainment Earth News. Alright guys, so this week we are going to be talking about... Spoiler alert. Spoilers! <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm so funny, you guys. <laughs> So, based on a conversation that Willoughby had with his sister about spoilers, and then also the recent indie thriller film, The Invitation, which is out in limited release right now, we decided to talk about kind of spoiler culture and what it means today and how we feel about it and how people kind of uh, use it in pop culture. And the big thing right now is that The Invitation, everyone is saying, if you're going to see this movie, don't read anything about it. Like, do not spoil yourself in any way for this film. And it got us thinking about spoilers. So, I don't think any of us have seen The Invitation yet, right? We have not. Okay, I tried to on Friday because I heard it was on video on demand and then it wasn't. And I was so bummed because I was so looking forward to it. Because I've heard this film is brilliant. Yeah. I've I've heard heard it's incredible. I've heard good things about it. And at first when I saw, like, um, pictures and articles about it, I thought that it was a horror film. But... I heard that it's more of just, like, this intimate thriller movie that has, like, this really um, just stunning twist towards the end, or even, like, I don't know, halfway through the movie or something. Um, yeah, and I've, I've heard it's not, like, one like one plot point that you don't want to spoil for. It's, like, I've read that it's good, but I haven't read anything beyond that, and I've heard it's the entire movie you don't want to be spoiled for. Like, there's so many layers in this film that you just should experience firsthand yourself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. how do you guys feel about spoilers, and, like, would you read anything about The Invitation before going to see it, or would you listen to those warnings and go in without having read anything? Well, personally, I do not get that offended by by spoilers. I am kind of known in my workplace for accidentally spoiling a lot of things, and then not getting really offended when someone spoils something for me. But um, considering how much this movie seems to hinge on, like, these twists... Maybe I feel like I would just go in fresh without knowing anything in the background. Um, but at the same time, I have this sort of belief that if a story or like a TV show is completely contingent on a big twist, then and like I can't enjoy it without being surprised by that. I don't think that narratively it's a good movie to stand on its own or a good show to stand on its own. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that if your piece of media depends on one specific spoiler, then your creation as a whole isn't as strong as you think it is. I agree. Mm -hmm. Um, And I believe that a lot of TV shows tend to hinge on this twist, like, oh, who got killed this week? Or, oh, who is actually alive? Um, And it's kind of just like, it's become like this big culture of trying to shock people with some new twist that it kind of ends up being really tired at the end. Like for example, the walking dead is like, Oh, who got killed this time at the same time? It's a zombie show. So you're like, Oh, someone is going to get, going to get killed. But they rely so much on that, that I feel like it's the writing kind of tends to, I don't know, become very weak. Like, wasn't there an entire, like, I haven't seen the walking dead in, in, in years, but wasn't there like a whole, like, thing about Glenn being dead or not being dead. Yeah. Yes, and, and that was, and, like, it, like, dominated the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then and, like, the same thing now with Jon Snow with Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. like, it's all these characters who 
we don't know. Are they dead? Are they not? You know. Which, by the way, like, let's be real about Jon Snow, guys. And should say this, we're going to have an episode on Game of Thrones in a couple weeks. At, or probably next week, I think, actually. Next week, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's not going to be pretty. No. But uh, <laughs> let's be real. Jon Snow is not dead. Like, well, he's physically dead. I, I just like yes. this is a theory on the forums from like reading the books <laughs> and stuff that we've all we all used to be really into Game of Thrones and like A Song of Ice and Fire, so we have lots of knowledge about this. Um, yeah. yeah, physically he's not dead, but we know, you know, he's with the Starks. He's got that those warging abilities. But I'll just stop there. And saying. you know, Melisandre exists still, yeah. and she's so just chilling there. It's yeah. not just cut and dry. Um. But yeah, I think, you know, going on to this whole, like, media shouldn't depend on spoilers, like, I've always, you know, found character development and a good story far more satisfying than a single spoiler, and I'm very tired of shock value right now, because as HT, as you said, it's being done everywhere, mm-hmm. and it's starting to get wearisome, and I always kind of describe it this way to people, when I tell them I don't really mind spoilers, and, like, I don't really care, and it won't stop me from enjoying something, is that... A spoiler gets me from point A to point C, mm. but I still don't know what point B is. I don't know yeah. how they got to that spoiler. Mm. So if the journey itself is still satisfying, then I can still enjoy it just as much as I would have if I hadn't been spoiled, I think. Yeah. For That's example, a very good point. Yeah. Um, for example, one of the first movies that really depended on the spoiler and going in without knowing anything about the plot, Psycho, um, which, you know, a lot of... It's so ingrained in popular culture now that everyone knows it's like oh Norman Bates is the killer but when I saw it for the first time I was still surprised and completely just on the edge of my seat while I was watching it because there's like kind of another twist in the film that you don't really hear when you just like from hearing it in like um, popular culture articles so it was still like a very enjoyable movie to me it's just so well made and well written and acted that you don't need to like no, not know what what's um who Norman Bates is or like, wh- or if he's the killer or not. Um, going in. Yeah, I that reminds me. Um, so I mentioned last week that I'm in my Harry Potter reread, and I just finished Prisoner of Azkaban, which is my favorite book by far. And going back this time and rereading it for the upteenth time, I appreciated even more how J.K. Rowling, like constructs Prisoner of Azkaban because it's so well done where the entire time you think like yes like Sirius killed James and Lily Sirius works for Voldemort mm-hmm. and she puts all these little pieces there that on your first read you totally buy it like you're like yeah of course Sirius did it like this makes total sense and then when you read it again knowing the truth about Sirius and Peter all those little things are even more satisfying the second time around like when he breaks into Gryffindor, uh, Gryffindor Tower to try and kill Peter, it's on Halloween. And Hermione makes this comment about, like, oh, it's, like, really bad luck of, for him to, like, have him broken in on Halloween when we're all down here in the Great Hall. And it's, like, you realize now that, like, no, that's actually Sirius being brilliant, that he doesn't have to be seen by anyone mm. or hurt anyone that he doesn't have to. And, you know, like, Crookshanks freaking out at Scabbard, knowing that it's Peter Pettigrew and becoming friends with Sirius and, like, all these little things that I think are even more satisfying knowing the truth. And But she's so brilliant. Like, Prisoner of Azkaban basically is one of those books that is entirely just, like, centered around one climax. Yeah. Yeah, and foreshadowing, and it's so satisfying the way it's done. So I think that's also another thing, is how is your spoiler done? 
if it's yeah. lazy and just for shock value, then it's probably not a good spoiler in the first place. But if it's something like this, where it's built and built, then there's something very satisfying about it. Completely agree. Uh, Willoughby, what are your thoughts on spoilers? Um, I, if I, like, like you guys said, like, I don't like, uh, like, I like spoilers, not super much. It's like, if, if it's, if the plot is contingent on a spoiler, then it's weird, because then it's like, well, there's no point if I, if if I'm spoiler, if I'm spoiled by the, by the plot point, and, and I can't enjoy the show, then because of, because of the badly written like plot because contingent on the spoiler then i don't like that but like knowing that darth vader is luke's father did not at all deter me from you know watching empire strikes back or like because or you know minor plot points for tv shows like i know what happens at the end of the x-files but i'm cool going back and watching it for the first time because i want to see the journey that takes them on to that point you know? Wait, does something big happen at the... I've never watched the X-Files. Something big happen at the end of the X-Files? Not big, <laughs> but just, like, there's a lot of things that happen at the, like... Do they prove you know, aliens exist? Kind of? Well... Yeah, there's a conspiracy... I mean, the conspiracy gets deeper. Listen uh, to me as I'm asking for spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's a you lot of things... You can see how much we care. Like, I, I, I like, researched into the X-Files, because there's ten seasons, you know, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a lot to digest... And I was thinking of, you know, do I really want to invest time in watching it? And so I kind of spoiled myself to see, like, oh, you know, can, can I get from point A to point C, like you said, Anya, while still enjoying point B? And I think that um, what, I, what I've read of pr- later seasons of The X-Files does sound enjoyable. So I am making the, the trek from point A to point C. So um, you're watching it for the spoilers, almost. For the... For the plot and character development that I know is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wouldn't say X-Files is really, like, there's not a lot of spoilers, because I feel like, like, like time has passed, so, like, it's in the cultural lexicon, and, like, the, the zeitgeist of, of modern television that, you know, it was one of the first TV shows to do, like, more serialized um, mythology episodes. Um and, like, I kind of knew what happens in, like, other TV shows, uh, you know, or, like, popular movies that are super in- in- entwined with our culture. Like, you kind of know what happens at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, or you kind of know what happens at the end of, like... The Sixth Sense. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I was going to bring that right up. Um, I was actually... I've never seen The Sixth Sense, but the, the TV show Scrubs spoiled it for me, because <laughs> there's an episode where... I think uh, someone spoils uh, the sixth sense for someone else while actually saying what happens, and I was spoiled by listening to that being happened. And I was like, no! Okay, well, I guess that makes sense. So would you still go back and watch the sixth sense now? No, I have no reason to. Well, I think the sixth sense is also one of those movies... um kind of like the foreshadowing and hints and like everything everything coming together that you see in Prisoner of Azkaban where you can kind of watch it and notice like oh these are the moments where you could tell like if you were paying attention enough that he is not a spoiler he is not alive at the end um right so i don't know i think but, that- like i don't know anything more about it so like mm-hmm. when it comes to the like reading like if that's the big thing in the sixth sense is that he's dead right 
Yeah, but it's a good movie otherwise, too. Okay. I mean, I would, that's the I thing, would argue like, that. Because I don't know, when people talk about The Sixth Sense, that's all they talk about. They don't talk about the actual plot of the movie. They talk about, oh, the kid sees dead people and the, and Bruce Willis is dead. Like, otherwise, so you I don't thought, know. you were under the impression that Sixth Sense depended on that spoiler to be a good film. Yeah. Okay. Because that's what everyone talks about. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe this is a good chance for you to give it a try and see if that's true or not. Yeah. And see if the movie does hold up with you knowing the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I went in watching it knowing, you know, the big spoiler because it gets spoiled for you when you're five years old. You're like, oh, Bruce Willis is dead at the end of Sixth Sense. Uh, and I watched it, and there are a lot of fun hints kind of saying, like, of scenes that he's in where he can, you can tell that he thinks he's alive, but then, like, other people in the room won't acknowledge him or those kind of things. So I think that's really fun. Um, it's kind of like a little scavenger hunt for clues that you can do as you watch the movie. It gives another layer, okay. I think, of meaning to, like, a film when you when something hinges on that kind of big twist, but also builds it correctly, like Anya was saying before. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's good, because, like, I, I don't know, maybe it's just the pop culture talk about the sixth sense, but it just seems like no one ever talks about the plot of the movie other than that Bruce Willis is dead the whole time. Like, yeah. I get really frustrated with that kind of talk, too, because it does give too much um, weight to spoilers and big twists. Like, for example, the ending of Lost and that whole twist at the end. Um, a lot of people, I think, are put off ever watching Lost. Like, I have friends who are like, oh, but they were in spoilers purgatory the whole time no they weren't in purgatory the whole time no they weren't like the last season and also there was so much character development and and really important storytelling that you should watch before you just go in like oh but it doesn't matter because they were dead but they weren't it's frustrating exactly Mm -hmm. yeah there's far more to loss than people think exactly especially i think i think it's a show that all of us defend Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we defend we all really love lost yeah and the ending i love that whole show yeah. Um, but that leads me to my next point real quick. So, like, I don't care about spoilers, except for certain things. Uh, if I mm-hmm. if I really care about something, or if I'm if I have like a an investment in it, I am going to be a little annoyed at spoilers, only because it is something that I want to experience for myself. So, this past week, I was spoiled for something that I did not want to be spoiled for. So, mild spoilers ahead for Daredevil Season 2. So, in Daredevil Season 1, Wilson Fisk was my favorite character. You guys both know this. I love him. Vincent D'Onofrio is a genius. Indeed. So, it works. So, So I've been getting through Season 2 very slowly because I've just been very busy recently. Um, I'm not even finished with it yet. I have, like, a few more episodes to go. But this week at work, one of my coworkers, knowing that I liked Wilson Fisk, was like, oh, did you love seeing Wilson Fisk in prison? And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And I was hoping that Wilson Fisk would have an appearance in season two. Like, I was hoping for that. But, like, I was hoping that it would be, like, a moment of, like, yes, like, this is happening, and, like, I've got to be so excited. Um, And that got spoiled for me, and I was kind of annoyed by that, mostly because, like, I had my expectations, and I wanted to experience them for myself um the spoiler did not take away i will say from my enjoyment of seeing him again and from vincent d'onofrio once again like literally taking command of every scene he's in he steals the limelight from everyone um even john brinthal like 
by far Fisk is more compelling than uh, Punisher, to be honest. Oops. Completely agree. Um. So, so like my experience with like the with Vincent with uh, J- uh, Kingpin in uh, Daredevil season two was kind of spoiled like an episode prior to what I was watching. Like I was on Twitter and Entertainment Weekly posted an article saying about that returning villain from Daredevil <laughs> season one. And I was okay, like, like, which one? Like, obviously. There's only yeah, one, like, yeah. It's like, you can only do so many, like, not, like, vague pronouns to get someone's attention about uh, someone who's returning. It's like, we get it. You're talking about Wilson Fisk. Come on. And I'm like, I didn't read the article because I was obviously, like, you know, in the, in the, in the, the off chance that I'm wrong or, or the off chance or the, the, or the chance that I'm right that they are talking about Wilson Fisk. I don't want to be spoiled about that. But just yeah. their headlines saying... Like, I, okay, so, like, entertainment, like, headlines about, like, being really vague about spoilers, but then also not, because you kind of, like, know what's it. happening, like, you get it, like, uh, it's like, I I kind of hate that, because it's so, it, it, at this point, it's almost, like, they almost have, like, a, like, a, like, a formula that they just input TV show name, character redacted returns, or something like, you know, it's like, I don't know. I don't really understand why. Maybe we can talk about this. Like, why suddenly in the past maybe fifteen years, spoiler culture has really gotten like intensified. I think social media has to do with it because, yeah. like, everyone's on social media now talking about entertainment and media, and so it's so much part of the zeitgeist. And uh, people are starting to care about what they're watching and they want to like experience it for themselves so I was going to ask you going off of what Lily was saying and my little story with Wilson Fisk like how should social media and journalism and like publications handle spoilers and also like should my coworker have asked me if I had finished Daredevil yet before saying that I think it's definitely a harder more murkier waters to navigate because Everything is up so fast now with streaming, DVR, and people are watching things at different paces because they have more choices and opportunities to, wa- to watch them whenever they, ha- they can. Um, and because of that, uh, there's also the more fast-paced world of social media and entertainment news where you have to get things out right away just in case people did just binge through them in one weekend. Um, yeah. So it's I honestly, like coming from an entertainment publication, uh, it even we don't know how to handle that. Like, do we do a live recap right away and then risk spoiling other people and angering them? Um, how do we handle, like, a big death or something like that and then, like, people get angry? I remember there was one thing on social media that Walking Dead's page did, like, on Facebook. They posted um, a picture of Beth after she got killed um, and were like, what did you think of that big death? And everyone was really angry. It was the day after the episode had aired, so everyone was really no, angry. No, 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 I remember this. No, no, the whole thing that happened was that they posted it after the East Coast airing had ended, but right. the West Coast airing oh, hadn't started yeah. yet. So it was, like, even sooner. So people were it was, really It was, like, in that. real time, and people on the West Coast hadn't even heard of watching it yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like after that, a lot of, a lot of uh, entertainment, like, Twitter handles really started to focus on, like, the fact that the West Coast hasn't had the opportunity to, like, watch the episode yet. Yeah. Because I know that, like, with, um, when, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. comes on, uh, or 
Entertainment Weekly won't do like their like post mortem post episode article until after the West Coast comes out. Yeah, so like um, midnight or something like that. Yeah, and like I never thought about that with like this intense spoiler culture that once the East Coast gets their episode, that you know the West Coast doesn't have. You guys really have to like watch your Twitter feeds to not spoil anything, right, Anya? Yeah, yeah, and oh yeah, that's the biggest thing is Twitter. Like, I know a lot of people who are like. I'm going to stay off social media until I watch this episode. Um, But I mean, on the other hand, like if you are desperate enough, like you can watch a stream of the East coast airing, Right. like, you know, it's possible to kind of get around that, but it's also like, like, like I care about TV, but like, I'm like, well, I have a TV here. Why would I watch it? Uh, Why would I watch a stream if I can just watch it here in a couple hours? Yeah. Right. right. Um, And like, again, since I don't really care about spoilers that much, um, it's not as big of a deal for me, but that's the danger is like, if you're on social media, like people live tweet mm-hmm. yeah. and articles are going up quickly and you're going to be spoiled. Also Tumblr, Tumblr is yeah. a big one too, because they post like gift sets from episodes, like minutes after the episode ends. Yeah, I don't know well, how people remember, do them. Yeah. Well, I remember from Dr. Who, it took me like a year to realize that people were posting gift sets because it had already aired five hours previously in England. In England yeah. um, and then they were making gift sets and then the Doctor Who Tumblr were, were posting, like, they would do live blogging, like, with gift sets that had that have been made for five hours at that point. But they just queued them up, so I'm like, oh, that's how they do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, people, like, will just right away rip something down from the internet and make gifts out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which can be a spoiler. Like, um, whenever there's, like, I try to watch the TV shows that I like to watch, like, live, if it's not, like, a Netflix show or a Hulu show. Um, So, like, a lot of the superhero shows I try to watch as live as possible. Um, And with this, I have a heavy work schedule right now, so I've been coming home later. So I've been, like, watching, like, The Flash, like, at 8.30, and then watching the recording of it until it's over, and then watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right after that. So um, I usually try to stay off of social media because the... I follow their Twitter handles, like the Flash and Agents of Shields, like actual like shows um, Twitter handle, and I like just don't go on because they always do like they try their best to be like mild spoilery about their live tweeting, but it's always kind of rough, mm-hmm. rough waters to to sail through. Um, and I think that with like the advent of time shifting uh, technologies that allow us not to watch TV shows live, I definitely think that, you know, uh, the entire idea of, of prefacing a conversation with saying, oh, have you watched this yet? Or no uh, s- s- no spoilers or, or whatever. Like, I feel like before social media, we weren't really using those phrases mm. in articles and in real life. Because, um, like, I feel like, and, and it may also be that spoilers and plot twists were much more of like a, like not not like so frequent but like a bigger deal like um like in movies and tv shows like because you couldn't watch it again and again or you couldn't watch it at the you had to watch it at the same time as everyone else except for like a movie but a a movie was only in theaters and then it was only on vhs or it was or for a long time it wasn't even on vhs there was no home video so i feel like (laughs) when you watch when you watch a movie like you have to that was it. So when you talked about it, either people saw it or they didn't. So there was no reason not to say spoiler alert. 
Um, but now that we have so many, HT, I think you brought this up, we have so many different options of watching TV. You have On Demand, you have Hulu, you have Netflix. You can watch anything anywhere uh, on your phone, on your iPad, you know, on on the on an airplane. Like, it's so easy to watch TV shows that people are trying to warn other people by saying, oh, you, you know, people have been... Com- People are watching TV shows at different paces now than back when only live TV was live TV. So I think that you kind of almost have to preface conversations and articles with saying like a disclaimer of no spoilers, mild spoilers, or full spoilers for the for the episode because I feel like otherwise people are going to get mad. I feel like that's just the culture we're in now. I got angry emails actually from um, in the last. Uh when the finale for last season of Game of Thrones aired, I actually put a spoilery sort of thing in my URL for the article. And I got, people were like, well, one person was just like, take this article down. I was like, I'm not going to take it down. That's stupid. Just the URL? <laughs> yeah, for the URL. I was like, Jon Snow. And I said wow. death in the URL. <laughs> so that might have been like little wow, spoilery. But you know... Was your article spoilery? No, it wasn't. I put like spoilers at the top of the thing. I'm like, oh, there are mild spoilers in like the in this article at the top of it, and then like, if you wanted to read below, you could. So, so you didn't reveal that Jon Snow was dead within the article. Well, I did at the end, but I I had you did spoiler, at the end. I had a spoiler warning at the top of the article. Okay, so that does not in your URL. Just no. So when people, that's what I don't like is when people who read recaps thinking that there's not going to be spoilers. Like and then get mad when there are spoilers after clearly defined like, like spoiler dis- disclaimer. Like I feel like if you're gonna read a recap, you're probably gonna ha- already have seen the episode. Yeah, yeah. So this so is like, acting asking for it, honestly. Yeah, like, like don't wa- don't read a, a a recap of a TV show that you haven't watched yet and then get mad for them spoiling yeah. spoiling it. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> Um, going back to what you So that was my question. Oh. It kind of goes to what you were saying. Well, HT, like, the person got mad at you. Mm -hmm. There are different mindsets about this, and I was wondering how you guys feel about it. Like, should we be courteous to others with spoilers, or should we just kind of say, like, if you haven't seen it yet, don't go on social media? Or, like, so, like, I know some people are like, I don't care about spoiling people, like, don't read this, or, like, don't go on social media if you haven't seen it yet. Like, you need to watch out for yourself. I'm not here to, like not spoil you how do you guys feel about navigating that i mean i go ahead go ahead hd oh okay. <laughs> uh, uh i think that i'm kind of uh like an individualistic perspective from that i feel like if you're if you really want to like be careful about spoilers i think that, that it's that it's easy for your for, for oneself to navigate the social media or lack or just not go on like like do your own uh like self warnings and like be like okay so the, the show is airing now i'm not gonna be able to watch it now so i can't you know maybe you know maybe not in the don't go on social media in the immediate after of of a big television event or you know or and then maybe watch it when i can like like i like to try and do things I don't care if an article spoiler spoils anything for me. It's up to I think it's up to the reader to to choose whether or not to to read an article about <clears throat> an episode that they haven't watched yet. And I feel like if they don't, if the re, if the audience, if the person watching the TV show really cares hard enough 
about spoilers, they will do a service to themselves and not and like do their best to try and be good about not being spoiled. But I feel like if, if they don't care and they just, you know, you know, will read an article willy nilly whether or not they've watched the episode or not, that's their own prerogative. I don't think the art I don't think the entertainment reporters and recappers who are doing their job to recap TV shows should really have to put a spoiler warning ahead of their articles. But I feel like we ha- they have to because people, the, the populace won't always be as careful minded as we want them to be. Yeah, I agree. They like to get angry. Yeah, I agree. Um, despite my lack of, um, investment in spoilers i understand why people want to enjoy that twist or want to just go go in fresh and not and be surprised um because you know everyone gets entertained in different ways um so i will be cognizant of that sometimes i accidentally slip but if i think it's an unimportant spoiler but people will put more um weight in it than i will so but yeah i will try to like keep things as vague as possible even though some i feel like it makes conversations less interesting i'm just like oh this happened then this happened i guess all right we'll just talk about it later (laughs) (laughs) um whoops but uh, yeah i think you have to be more careful in conversation yeah because like entertainment reporters are doing their job but like when i got spoiled for the wilson fist thing they had just assumed that i had finished it already and it's like everyone's lives are different like i'm watching it slower than you are and so I feel like there should be a level of courtesy, at least in conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it is harder. Yeah. I think that in, with today's ways of watching TV, especially with Netflix, like Netflix almost like their brand is binge watch at this point. Um, so especially with house of cards and orange is the new black and like the TV shows that really got the game going with like binge watching. And I feel like binge watching is an almost entirely, like new level of spoiler culture because people are watching entire TV sh- seasons in one weekend. So suddenly, you know, if you haven't talked about se- episode eight of House of Cards and, and someone else has, then there's like this weird, like you know, if you're ta- like Anya, you said you're taking it slow, Daredevil season two slowly. I watched it in a weekend, and I and and like it's interesting how. You know, Netflix almost not depends on you binge watching, but their their TV shows are designed almost to binge watch. Um, they're very just like you know, episode after episode, plot twist at the very end of each episode, like get you watching more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like our cult, our like network television and TV shows that air once a week are trying their hardest to be like similar to that. So like especially with The Walking Dead, like it feels like every episode of The Walking Dead is a season finale of Game of Thrones, um, from what I can tell from from like uh, social media. Like every episode of Game of Thrones, every episode of Walking Dead seems to be oh so and so died, this thing happened, Negan is there, blah 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 blah. blah. <laughs> so I feel like there's so much in every episode of network television or cable television that they're trying to compete with Netflix that does like ten episodes of like. Uh, like almost like a long movie so i don't know what do you guys think of binge watching as in in terms of spoiler culture i think it's a big factor in making spoiler culture more prevalent today um and that's why like network television is trying to make each episode and each show like event television Um, yeah like walking dead and game of thrones and that kind of stuff and they're it's working like they're throwing in more twists so they're trying to get viewers to come and like watch every week um, but they still don't have that 
um, power over the conversation. Well, they do actually. I feel like it's equal power over the conversation um, between binge watching versus um, uh, just sitting down to watch it live every week. So I don't know. It's 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 different factors going into why spoilers and spoiler culture is so powerful these days. I think binge watching invites spoilers. Mm. Like you know, I think. There is a part of me that, like, if I get spoiled for Daredevil Season 2 uh, because I'm reading something on the internet, then, like, it is sort of my fault. I am kind of going at it slower than the binge-watching dictates. Um, <laughs> I think in, like, life-to-human-to-human conversation, you should maybe ask because not everyone has the time to always binge-watch every show. Like, I binge-watched Jessica Jones, but this month has just been crazy for me, so I haven't been able to binge-watch Daredevil. Right. Um, but... I do think that Netflix invites it, and I think uh, you are you do almost sort of bring it upon yourself if you don't binge watch it, which is kind of unfortunate. Yeah, because not everyone gets to binge watch it. Like I said, like that's what I that's where I'm getting at is like Netflix is is almost like designing their shows to be binge watched, and when you don't, it's almost like you're left out of the conversation. Like exactly. I didn't, I didn't watch the first season of House of Cards for almost a year until the second season, and luckily there wasn't anything super spoilery in that first season that that I was spoiled about. But it just seemed like by the time I was watching it, everyone had always, everyone had, it had come and gone, and then and then it was coming back because season two was coming. So it was it was this weird like when you get TV shows that are released in one weekend. Everyone watches it in one weekend, and then no one talks about it for the for the other fifty one weeks of the year until the yeah. next season, comes out, which is different than network television and cable television, where you get twenty two, you know, amount of you know plus or minus a couple episodes during a season. Like the the idea of seasons have have gone out the window. Mm-hmm. With yeah, I With, agree. Uh, yeah, yeah, which I which is why I still have like. My reservations about pl- about re- Netflix releasing all of its episodes in one weekend because I feel like it keeps it out of the conversation for longer. Um, yeah, and I, but it's also hard to keep things when you're releasing them week to week online, like to have that still people keep people pe- keep people interested. Um, yeah. So and I feel like because we've seen that with Community and the Mindy Project. Yeah. Uh, two shows that were once on network and cable television. And now they're on Hulu and Yahoo Screen. Uh, and by the end of Community Season 6, no one was really talking about it, except for the people who were watching the, the, the show. And I don't know, I mean, did you guys watch, have you, when you, you guys watched the mini project, have you guys, did, were you guys, like, keeping up with it regularly when it was on Hulu? Pretty regularly, actually. It was like, I am keeping up with yeah. it still, yeah. It's like my dinner mm-hmm. show. I watch it for, like, it's half an hour, so it's easy to watch while you keep up with it. But, yeah, it's hard. You so- you have to sometimes, like, choose what you want to keep up with. And, like, sometimes it feels more urgent to watch something that's actually, like, live on TV rather than something that's online. Um, yeah. I also have a bad habit with things online. Um, like, with the Mindy Project, um, which I am keeping up with regularly. It just came back. Um but I have a bad habit of forgetting. Yeah, same. Because so I have I have a DV, we have a DVR box here, and so like by recording everything, even if I forget that something was on last night, when I like turn on the TV and check recordings, I'm like, oh hey look that recorded, I have to watch that. Yeah. But like I will forget to watch the mini project sometimes because I I just it's 
not kind of it's in not the as space it, and, yeah, yeah, and it's not as like uh, upfront as a DVR. Yeah, like you could turn on the TV and press the DVR button, and it'll show you what's what you have. Whereas with Hulu, either if you're watching it on a computer, you have to op- you know open your turn on your computer, you know open a web browser, go to Hulu, search the show you have, or online or not online on on a smart TV or on like uh you know like a Roku or something. You have to like go to the app. You have to search for the show. Like there's a lot to do to More get process. to the show. Yeah. Whereas with DVRing it's really easy to just press a button and it t- shows you the list of shows that you had recorded the night before. So do you guys think that um, spoiler culture is essentially, like the rising importance and prevalence of spoiler culture is essentially the ways of shows keeping, staying in the conversation? Like because there's just so many shows out there, there's so many platforms, the only way that they can keep, that they think that they can keep in the people's interests and people's minds is to just throw in these random twists so that the only way that people will come back is so they can find out what happened next or for more people to come into the show is because everyone's talking about it, but they won't say exactly what happened because it's a big spoiler. Do you guys think that's the case? Yeah, I, th- I honestly think that's the case because I feel like with the rise of social media, you know, they've tried their best to ch- keep, or, like, not the rise of social media, sorry, the rise of, like, uh, non... Not, with the rise of streaming, they tr- they've they tried their best to, like, keep people watching, like, keep their ratings up. Because uh, at the end of the day, when it comes to live TV, it's all about ratings. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sad to say, but that's kind of the truth, I think. Um, and... So they're trying to keep people watching the TV shows by saying, oh, did you miss the spoiler? Come back to see what happens next. Uh, um, so, and I think that, um, but then there, it's really interesting that there are some shows where they, when they end, the, the finale is almost already ruined for everybody because it was such a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when the, when Mad Men ended last year, uh, everyone was talking about the final, the final scene of that show like for days after because it was such a cult because like Mad Men kind of ushered in this golden age of television along with Breaking Bad um and when Mad Men ended it was kind of a big deal you know Uh, I will actually say I think that Mad Men is the one exception to spoiler culture because yeah yeah, having only seen like the first season of, of Mad Men I don't know like the full context and the full arcs for each of the characters so whenever someone says like oh this happened to this character I'm like I don't really know what that means because I wasn't invested in those characters as much so I feel like Mad Men is one of those shows that depends more on your sticking with the show, you being invested in these characters and their emotional arcs and their developmental arcs. And that's why no matter what spoiler or twist you give about the show, it will only matter to the people who watch it, who care about it. So Yeah, and it, I, Yeah, so despite ahead. like me knowing what happened at the end of the final, of at the end of the finale, I was like, "Oh, he invented the Coke commercial." It means nothing to me as opposed to someone who actually watched the show. So Right. I think Mad and, Men is an exception. And as someone who did watch the show, I can tell you that the finale was was great. It was a it was a great episode of television, and the final scene was actually very worth it. Yeah. Like for like it was kind of like an amazing ending, uh, and I could tell that like at, like immediately everyone was posting like that image of John Hamm like meditating, mm-hmm. and like that's. That's something interesting in this whole spoiler culture because that's the very that's like the final shot of the entire series, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's it's really interesting that that like everyone was using that shot 
um, in like their articles and in their tweets and, you know, like the popular culture, like the jokes about the, the Coke commercial being made. Like, it's really interesting that something like some like a show like Mad Men can end and almost immediately their end. The ending is like canonized as like a great like TV ending. Yeah. Um, and where, and then you get lost where it's like a very controversial ending. Uh, you get like TV shows when they end, it's almost like suddenly it's okay to spoil the ending of it. Yeah. I think. I agree. Like especially if it's like a long running show. Yeah. Uh, but also where like you've had to... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. But yeah, also yeah. like I feel like if it doesn't mean as much to you if you weren't invested in the show to begin with. So that's why I feel like Mad Men is such a great piece of like anti spoiler culture show. Mm-hmm. Um where Yeah, I, and yeah. they they always play such a long game in terms of season arcs that an epi- like three episodes combined, nothing really happens, but there's a lot of subtle things that are happening that are not conducive to spoiler culture recap articles you know like yeah. you like like the day after entertain a uh, day after a mad men episode airs you don't really get entertainment weekly s- talking about that episode you know like in their in their way of like putting like talk let's talk about that episode of mad men or something like that mm. um emphasis on that like they mad men has always kind of been like you said kind of anti-spoiler culture um because it they their care the character's are, it's more about, there's not a lot of plot in Mad Men. It's all about what the characters are thinking and feeling and what the, how they're interacting with each other. Yeah. Um, in terms of, like, the plot of the of Sterling Cooper, Draper Price, and what their antics are up to, that's almost, that's almost been, like, uh, they always kind of, like, the beginning of the season and the ending of the season are always about where the, where the ad company is going. But in between that, it's where the characters are going. Yeah. Like, the plot itself is, like, very banal, but it's just, like, so riveting with the characters that you don't care. So, yeah. basically, every show should aim to be, like, Mad Men, which is a show that yes. keeps you invested with the characters and not because of the plot twists. Exactly. Um, so, do we got, do we, do you guys have anything else we want to add about spoiler culture? Um, I'm good. That, just that I, I think that uh, people, if, you know, if they really, I said this earlier, but like, if they really want to invest in making sure that they're not spoiler, spoiled, they can, but I feel like other people should not, uh, like, in, in, and I'm talking about in terms of like on the internet, but like in conversation, I feel like people should be kind and courteous and ask, oh, have you watched this yet? Because I feel like that's just decent common sense. I agree. Yes. All right. Okay. I'm good. Um, well, yeah, if you guys have anything that you want to add or speak to us about, about spoiler culture, spoilers in general, plot twists, um, let us know. But first, we'll go to the last segment of our episode, We Really, 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 really Like. Um, yay! yay! Anya, why don't you go first? What All do right. you like? Excellent. I was going to ask to go first anyway, <laughs> actually. So what I really like is what a lot of other people are really liking this week. And that is my Hamilton. Ah. So the Hamilton is uh, the book Hamilton, the revolution, which is a book about Hamilton, the musical. Um, it's, it's, I have not uh, read all of it yet because I'm, I really want to take my time with it. I'm kind of reading it in tandem with my Harry Potter reread. And I'm only doing like a chapter or two a day of the Hamilton book to kind of let it all sink in. Um, but basically like each chapter goes over a certain aspect of the show, kind of like from the inception 
to kind of it being made and everything. And then each chapter is also uh, the song from the show and it goes each song in order and um, has all the lyrics. And then Lin-Manuel Miranda has like uh, notations in the lyrics and stuff to kind of explain things or be like, oh, I wrote this when, this was inspired by this. Um, it's absolutely, go- like just as a book, it's gorgeous. It's leather bound. The papers are, the paper in it is like heavy and soft and beautiful. Um, and the pictures inside are gorgeous, lots of behind the scenes. And it's just a stunning book, and the Hamilton is perfect. Um, so that's making me happy. And also on that note, just the fact that uh, the show this year, every Wednesday matinee, is going to be full of students in New York, um, that they get to go see the show for all the Wednesday matinee shows, and they like have to do like assignments about the show. And just the fact that Lynn is making this so accessible for these kids and really embracing them and giving them this is just amazing to me. So Hamilton and Lin-Manuel Miranda make me happy. Great. Um, Willoughby, what is your really, really like for this week? I'm really, really, really liking uh, Doris Kearns Goodwin's book on Teddy Roosevelt and William Howard Taft uh, called The Bully Pulpit, Teddy Roosevelt, William Howard Taft, and the Golden Age of Journalism. Uh, It's basically a biography of these two men and their friendship and their uh, eventual rivalry in the the 1912 election. Um, and also how Teddy Roosevelt had a great rapport with the journalists in uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, he really, the first chapter, I'm only in a couple chapters in, but the first chapter really sets up the the, dif- the differences between the two men. Uh, Taft was always more reserved, um, and Teddy Roosevelt was very much more like gung-ho about everything in his life. Uh, and when he was returning from an expedition to a hunting expedition in Africa, and then he took a tour of Europe, uh, he was being, uh, like he met like dignitaries and heads of state as if he was still a head of state, even though he had already been president, he was no longer president and Taft was president. And when he returned from his expedition into New York Harbor, you know, like it was, an amazing scene of like thousands upon thousands of people like watching him return from Europe and Africa and William Howard Taft had, had, had been his basically appointed successor uh, for the presidency and then kind of uh, like pooped the bed in terms of like keeping going the progressive reforms that Teddy Roosevelt was doing. Like he kind of fell into the hard uh, traditional conservatives um, and Taft and Roosevelt kind of had a falling out because of that, because Roosevelt went abroad and came back and suddenly everything that he had worked for was being undone. Um, and that's why he went back and, uh, ran for president in 1912. Uh, so I really, I just really like it because Teddy Roosevelt's my, um, favorite president and William Howard Taft is a very interesting figure because he never wanted to be president. Mm-hmm. He ended up uh, wanting to, he always wanted to be, and then ended up being uh, chief justice of the Supreme Court. So interesting. it's it's really interesting that these guys were like best friends, and then they weren't. Um, so I really want to discover why. So that's why I'm reading it. All right, I want to read that now. It's also going to be turned into a hip hop Broadway musical. <laughs> uh, maybe not hip hop. Maybe Mumford and Sons. Uh, Ooh, <laughs> I see. Yeah. All right. Uh, like. Uh, 
the filmmaker in my head really wants to make this a movie because uh, Lincoln was based off of Team of Rivals, uh, also by Doris Kearns Goodwin. Mm. So if one okay. one of her books can be turned into a movie, it may be another book. Excellent. Yeah. You should do it. Yeah. Yes, okay. I should. Yeah, I will so look forward to that. I'm really, really liking Team of Rivals. Uh, no, nope, I'm really, really liking uh, <laughs> the, bully bul- the Bully Pulpit uh, by Dor- Doris Kearns Goodwin. All right. Excellent. Mine, All right, AT, your turn. <laughs> mine is not related to American U.S. history, so I'm feeling a little left out now. Um, <laughs> uh, but it is related to something I've talked about before. Uh, similarly, anyways, um, this weekend was the first weekend of Coachella, an American music festival based in California, I think. Um, it's really popular, like the biggest music festival in America, um, probably. And what's, what I'm really, really liking this week is the fact that Epic High, which is a Korean hip-hop trio, um, is performing at Coachella. And they're the first Korean group to ever be invited to this music festival. It's a very exclusive music festival and it's known not to be completely welcoming of international acts. So this is a big deal, um for, like, the K-pop community. Um, and I do like Epic High because they are kind of tangentially related to one K-pop boy band that I've been raving about for the past, I don't know, like, eight months, Big Bang. They're on the same label as Big Bang, and um, the lead rapper in Epic High, Tablo, his daughter, is a huge fan of Big Bang, and I've seen videos in which she will meet them and then, like, start crying because she loves them so much. And I'm like, same, Haru, same. <laughs> so it's, um, I'm really, their songs are, their music is really good. It's kind of like alternative hip-hop. Um, they are composed of Tablo, Mithra, and then DJ Tukuts, so two rappers and a DJ, uh, somewhat similar to um, a student rap group that I'm sure Willoughby is familiar with that we kind of both know that our friends for <laughs> Shout out to Marie Sips Hot Coffee. Marie Sips Hot Coffee. <laughs> oh, man. So, I their um, Epic High, though, is really great. Um, their music is good and um, kind of melancholy, really catchy. Um, a lot of good beats and they spit fire. So, um, I'm really excited for them to be performing. At, they're performing today, actually, Sunday. Um, April 17th, and then also on the 24th next week. So they're doing two performances. And it's really exciting, and hopefully it will usher in more international acts to Coachella and make people more aware of international music and K-pop, and, and especially. And maybe Big Bang, and maybe, you know, they'll come over here and talk to me and say hi, and I can love them. <laughs> Yay! Yay! So, yeah, that's my really, really awesome. like. So, if you guys have any comments on what we're really liking, what you're really liking this week, you should definitely let us know. Or if you have any thoughts on spoilers and spoiler culture. So, where can they let us know, Willoughby? We have a Facebook uh, page where you go search for us. Uh, we're the Millennial Falcon on Facebook. On Twitter, we're at Falcon Podcast. We have a blog, millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. And we're also on iTunes, where you can rate, review, and subscribe to us there. Yay, and where can they find you? I am at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. I am at HTranBooey on Twitter. And I am at Anya Crittenden on Twitter. Alright, thank you for joining us, guys. Bye, guys! Bye!